So hang on, points for me because I didn't bang my desk at all during that. Oh, I... mate, you did great. No, good on you. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> I do apologise for not letting you speak for the first two thirds of the interview. I was just like, I'm going to forget these questions. I'm going to forget these questions. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the PR Hub podcast. My name is Adam Tuckwell. And I'm John Wilcox. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Sometimes Sweary, Always Insightful PR Hub podcast. Um, it's great to have you back. And on this episode, uh, we speak with Laura Morelli. Laura is the head of media for UK and Australia and US and I think New Zealand and France at SEMrush, a company which I'm sure many, if not most, if not all of you for that matter, are either familiar with or have an account with. Now, Laura has a, um, a fantastic trajectory that she'll share that takes us all the way from um, New South Wales uh, to uh, to London. I don't know why anybody would want to go from uh, uh, from from sunny sunny Australia to uh, grey and drizzly London, but there you go. But uh, Laura does have a great uh, trajectory from journalist uh, to, as I said, head of media uh, at Semrush. Um, it's a bit of an atypical uh, transition um, into in, into comms there, ads. Yeah, Laura's got a fantastic career from showbiz reporter for sky news in australia through to what she's what she's doing today it's 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 a really great chat with laura she's incredibly open she's got lots of advice and tidbits for for people on how she's on how she's developed and evolved her career but specifically we got to talk to laura about some of the campaigns that she does at semrush how she builds data-driven pr and communication campaigns how she gets those stories out how she investigates but also how she works with media and also with PR agencies to, to, to craft these data-driven and data insight stories. So an awful lot packed into this into this chat. Laura, you could start by answering an age-old question of how you pronounce your company. Is it SEMrush yeah, or yeah. is it SEMrush? No, what? no, SEMrush. We've made it much easier now for everyone, thank gosh. <laughs> very easy it's super easy i remember um when we first came into into when you when uh semrush came into our sphere of influence in digital comms we were like this is this is an amazing tool this is brilliant but how how the fuck do you pronounce it because we don't want to look <laughs> silly when we're trying to sell it to people <laughs> or trying to encourage clients um no, either so, way whatever is welcome so don't freak out no 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 you can't say that you've got you can't sit on the fence we're not we're not <laughs> a sit on the fence podcast so that's brilliant Great. can you start by introducing us to to who you are and give us a brief background as to what you've been up to in your uh, varied career i feel like it's my first day back at high school <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so cool. I can do that. Um, I guess I've always known I wanted to be a journalist. Um, and during university, I actually interned at MTV. So I was really passionate about music journalism. Um, and I kind of got a taste for the glamorous side where I was able to help, um, with interviewing famous artists. Uh, my first real job out of uni was at Sky News where, um, I worked my way from the digital desk, which is doing all online on website um, monitoring to then uh, TV producing behind the scenes and then entertainment reporting. And um, funnily enough, the first person I ever interviewed was Kim Kardashian, which um, was pretty funny as my first ever interview. So no pressure. No, I know, right? Just walking in like world's biggest celeb and then me. Um, But I guess it's good to like dive straight into it. Um, Got me, 
you know, very, very keen to get more involved in um, reporting. Uh, and then a few other celebs I did was Hugo Weaving, who's one of my favourite actors. Um, Guy Pearce is also pretty cool. And then Tina Arena. So um, a few ticked off my celeb interview list. <laughs> And then complete change um, from the glamorous side, I actually went to one of my favourite jobs I've ever had, which was at National Indigenous Television. Um, and it was just amazing because it, it was focusing on Indigenous perspective. And I think being able to have that First Nations focus is so, so important, um, especially because Australia or white Australia has a black history so it's, it was a very powerful role where I was able to facilitate that Aboriginal perspective um, and kind of tell topical news stories from, you know, the people's voice themselves. And it really did help me kind of see stories through a different lens. Um, and obviously my, my whole role is storytelling. So um, having those different perspectives is just so, so, so helpful. Um, then I went to uh, News UK. So I moved over to London and um, I mean... Of course, I took the job because have you seen their office? It is <laughs> insane. It's like bloody brilliant, 360 degree views of London, glass building. Oh my gosh, just amazing. Um, and then actually I also did some SEO video content creation, um, not just staring outside at the views of London the entire time. Um, and then that's when I kind of got involved in the SEO world, a little bit more SEO journalism. Um, and then I guess that's when I discovered my job at SEMrush, sucked into the world of um, SEO, SEM and blending it with data-driven journalism. Wonderful. Well, there's tons in that that we're going we're gonna to pick out. We're, we're not going to question your choice of leaving an incredibly beautiful, sunny and, and lovely Australia for a cold, wet and damp London. <laughs> um, I'm sure the view's lovely on some of the days of the year, um, but no. Um, so let's go back to that journalism piece. What was it about journalism that that caught your eye? So I've I've never been a, jo- a journalist, but but John was was a journalist. What what was it about journalism that from your sort of school days really grabbed you and made you think this is this is what I want this is what I want to do? And how did you manage landing a, a job at Sky as your sort of first first gig? Mm. Um, I think it's just always been that voice. Um, I used to be really passionate about animals. And um, they obviously can't talk for themselves. So I remember like just always wanting to kind of tell the story for them. And then I just also think being a really nosy child, I was just (laughs) nosy or curious. I would say curious. I was, I'm the youngest child. So I'd always kind of want to know what's going on, know what's happening. um, And just really, really always asking questions, being interested and wanting to know more. And I was also very lucky from a very young age, I knew I wanted to do journalism. So it's kind of got in um, and knew what I wanted to work for, worked for it, and then pathway paved. Fantastic. And and what was the world of doing that sort of celebrity journalism like as your sort of first gig? So you talked about the Kardashians and you're meeting film stars and, and, and yeah. movie stars. What was that what was that world like? And and how did it feel to be reporting on it? What what were the sort of the the, the, the pressures or the concerns or things that were going through your head about how you report the news and tell their tell their story we've gone a long way from speaking for the animals haven't we <laughs> into, into a-list <laughs> celebrities here so well, so unpack that a little bit for us yeah of course it, it like i said it was um it was an interesting one and i think it was always being interested in music myself having a passion and a hobby for that and then kind of slowly slowly working my way up um and again to, to that camera side of interviewing celebs and it i, I mean it was awesome. It was really interesting and really great. 
And I think you just genuinely had to have a knowledge of entertainment, which I guess who doesn't want to watch this latest film or, you know, listen to the latest music. I think it was really, really um, awesome and uh, in a sense easy because, like I said, it's it's a pleasure to report on entertainment news. But that's why I did mention my my favourite job was NITV and that's because it was dealing with investigative stuff that was a bit more hard-hitting and a bit more purposeful in my sense because I love that human angle. It's great to do the the interviews with celebs, but, um, you know, in that interview with Kim Kardashian, I had some questions and they kind of took them away and gave me the prepared ones and they said I was not allowed to ask about Kanye, but I could ask about North. So it was very, <laughs> um, I, you know, being me, creative and obviously just curious, as I mentioned, I kind of wanted to ask a natural question. I was getting taps on the shoulder saying not allowed. So it was quite restrictive, but amazing in, in the same sense. Um, they actually said that Kim had more security than Obama. So I loved that as well when we, we did that interview. <laughs> wow. It's it, a, a, mad, a mad, a mad world, I'm, I'm sure. Um, and so um, for people that have clearly picked up by now, you're, you're, you're from Australia. Um, you're our first Australian guest, in fact. first Australian guest. Um, I bet you're never going to have another one after me. A truly global podcast. We, we had a Kiwi once, didn't we? Uh, who we did. Oh, we've had, a, we had Americans. Yeah, we've had, no, we've had plenty. Yeah. We've had plenty, but we, we definitely Nothing shouldn't confuse the Kiwis and oh, the Australians no. together. So, so that's very important. Um, and then so you came to work for, for News UK. So this, yeah. this massive, massive organisation. Um, Talk to us about the the role that you had there and and this introduction into the world out of sort of uh, video journalism and into something that's a little bit more digital in its nature in terms of in terms of how that works. So so talk us through that that role and critically how you adapted to that. So how did you you know change from being um, a, a front of camera person to, to to what you were doing for News UK? Um, yeah, well, funnily enough, I. I actually got the role as a, it was like a video uh, editor. So I did get to kind of, I would say my role before was very much video journalism and, as you said, kind of reporting on the story um, from start to finish, whereas uh, News UK really like allowed me to work on my editing skills, my graphic design skills. So kind of giving me extra skills that I didn't have before that obviously would help um, in the future with anything else I did. Um, I would say it was it was a different pace to journalism, um, obviously just very, very kind of, you know, sociable, clickable news content kind of stuff. So, yeah, got involved, got very heavily involved in video editing there, which was a bit of a different steer to journalism. Um, in saying that, though, it was very, very much about, you know, when you go into Facebook and you see those videos, just what's topical, what's trending. It wasn't really in terms of newsworthiness. It was really just about what would people watch next? That was yeah. a question. What would you watch? What would you share? What would you comment your family or friends in? It was so about the user experience, which um, it, it was a fascinating, it was a fascinating role. And um, yeah, I was really excited to kind of be part of that team um, at the video desk and typical me kind of wanting to, you know, get, get a bit more involved. I love kind of packaging my stories. So I love finding a story um, filming it, um, voicing it, and then editing it. So I kind of got this cool role as the um, SEO video producer where we could kind of find trending story of the day but put a voice to it. So for, for everyone who's um, wondering why sometimes the sun has an Aussie flaming drongo, that's me, <laughs> uh, kind of voicing the news sometimes, I, you know, it'd be um, – it'd just add another element – 
because again, sometimes you watch a video and you either watch it with sound and you can listen to the voice, you can watch it with subtitles. We had to think about all those elements whilst working there. And um, yeah, it was pretty cool kind of putting those social media and SEO kind of content-based videos together um, to create these packages that people would hopefully watch and share and enjoy. Um, It's clear that you really enjoy uh, challenging yourself, new challenges across, uh, you know, broad range of, of disciplines across journalism uh, and um, video uh, video editing, videography, um, and and into uh, SEM and and digital journalism and all this sort of stuff. Where do you think that comes from? What 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 really sort of inspires you to sort of always sort of push yourself and and, and drive yourself to to new experiences and 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 develop new skills? That's like such a, a beautiful thing to say about me. So thank you so much. And I think I'm just going to be really honest and say I get bored very quickly. Um, so I just constantly need to be entertained. I'm like a little child or a puppy dog. I just I think I just need something new. And if I get bored of something quickly, then Obviously, I'm not going to follow through with it. But a lot of the things I do, they're not boring. So my, um, I'm actually going to chat to you about my what I do on a day-to-day basis because I think it's pretty interesting. Um, as you guys know, work with one, we work one-on-one with journalists, marketers, PR pros, all media professionals across the globe, um, and it's to uncover hidden stories and statistics. Now, I know this might sound a bit mystical, so I'm going to break it down for you and take you on a bit of a journey. Um, did you ever wonder what the wider public thought about a female playing James Bond or how many people searched how to get a divorce during lockdown? I think I was one of them. Um, or the spikes in mental health sites compared to year on year trends pre and post COVID. Um, Adam, I bet you're keen to know the sentiment analysis and the most used emoji when it comes to European Super League. Um, and John, I think you'd be keen to see what English city searches the most fortnight. These are the types of data insights I work with on a day-to-day basis. So it's global online search trends, website visits, ad spend, Twitter sentiment analysis, all these kinds of things where you can kind of intertwine online search trends with storytelling and then get top quality journalism. We've come a long way from the Kardashians to this sort of data science, haven't we? I think that's. Well, we could search the most. Uh, I have done uh, top searches for who is the most searched for Kardashian. So. It's going to be Chloe, isn't it? I think it was. Hey, I've never seen the show. <laughs> John, you just—I'm not sure if you've gone up in my estimations or down in my estimations. <laughs> I think that's—I think that's brilliant. But Laura, I'm keen. So you've—you've you've yeah. gone. You, you're still doing this sort of investigative role then, and you're still spending time analysing and insighting the, the the data and things. But you have gone from media organisations to an in-house role. So how did you find how did you find that shift? Because not only is your your career constantly evolving, you're learning new things and you're trying new skills, but you've also gone from a very different type of organisation into the one you're in now. So lots of people will know um, Semrush and they'll be aware of it as as a tool and as a platform, but they won't be aware of the business. So tell us more about the the business and where you sit within that and how that all operates. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually an interesting question and I don't think I've ever thought of it like that before. Um, But yeah, SEMrush is an all-in-one digital marketing toolkit. Um, So it helps um, marketing professionals or anyone who's got an online business boost um, and optimize their online visibility. So it is a very interesting um, role to have alongside of that because I would say SEMrush makes their bread and butter from 
people who want to boost their business and use it as a toolkit. But on the same line, I'm on the other side kind of pushing it to be the number one trusted data provider by working with um, everyone in media and offering specific insights free of charge. So in a kind of in a in a way to enhance content creation, we kind of just want to push as much data backed content as possible. And yeah, it, it's fascinating because I think I don't see myself too far away or I don't look at it like that because I am still working one-on-one with these journalists. I'm meeting up with journalists from BBC, from Sky. They're the ones coming to me saying, what news angle can you see in the data? So I still feel very connected in my in my roles across everything. And I think because I'm um, kind of, yeah, churning the data and, and really helping all journalists kind of see the different news angle or the hook or finding what trends there are, I, I, I guess I feel a part of the newsroom still. That's really interesting. I think that's I think that's really interesting. How have you how have you found the evolution of working with 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 video and then onto onto data? So so how have you upskilled yourself? How have you focused on 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 your skills and your understanding and your development to allow you to to progress your career in in the way that you have? How would you how would you talk about that? I'm laughing because when you say that, and if my dad is listening, he will be laughing too. I was. <laughs> is there no shocking. master plan? Is there no, no master plan, Laura? <laughs> I was really like in the beginning when I discovered journalism. I I was like, it's creative. I don't need numbers. I was shocking. My dad would try and do percentages with me when it was high school, and he was just hitting his head against a wall because I just couldn't basically put two and two together with numbers. He'd show me an Excel spreadsheet and I'd walk off. I couldn't deal with it. Now it has become my entire life. It's like changed everything I do. And in fact, I've done a full flip. I now am actually working on a project that proves SEMrush should be part of a STEM subject, not creative English, because we need data-backed content. Like there's fake news going on. We need to stop that. And the way to stop that is by having facts to back what journalists are reporting on. So it's so funny that I've done this um, kind of anti-numbers now all the way to like pushing journalists, like literally talking one-on-one with journalists, telling them they need why they need and why they need data to drive their storytelling and then also me just using it on a day-to-day basis. It's it's blown my mind. Um, and that's why I said my dad would laugh because he knew how, how much I hated Excel and, and numbers and now I'm like the Excel queen. I go on to percentagecalculator.com. Every time I have to do a numbers-based press release, <laughs> I can't do percentages. But I'm not a, a data specialist at Semra, so that's a, that's okay. That's okay. Um, well, I can always I'm, teach you if you're interested. I'm, <laughs> I'm keen. To, I'm keen to pick up on one last thing before I let John speak. Just this idea of of switching from being this a journalist to a supplier of news and a supplier of stories was that quite a natural shift for you was that something that you found that you actually uh was able to do so you talk about the fact now that you're reaching out to these different different journalists from um different national international um media titles and publications did did you find that quite easy obviously your training has shown you what what makes good news and 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 how that's translated how have you how have you found that shift oh i think it's interesting because with my role the one thing in common is that news is news um and the shift it like i said it doesn't 
it hasn't felt like too much of a shift. I think that's because, you know, whether it's journalism, whether it's PR, whether it's media, there are no two days that are ever the same because you're working with an ever-changing news cycle. And, you know, a news story today is always different tomorrow. Um, and the most important thing is if I don't find it interesting, I'm not going to work with it because I don't think that journalists will find it interesting. And I guess in in the bigger sense of things, it's, it's about being a good storyteller and – I'm very lucky I have come from that journalistic background and know what to make, what it takes to make a story memorable, relatable, relevant, um, so audience can connect with it. And I think that's what's really helping me fly in this job that I'm working at now because it's very clear that I have come from a journalism background, um, especially for my team. They'll, we'll, you know, we'll be having chats and they'll talk about a story um, and I'll just butt in and I'll just say, but like, you know, Who's going to publish that? Well, who cares about that? What makes that interesting? Um, so I think in a positive sense on my end, it's I think journalists respond to me um, more because I actually do understand what they want and what works in their favour. Um, and as you said, it's it's definitely about things like pitching. You know, I and I like to say this in the best way possible, but it's great to be on the other side. I don't know if it's a dark side, you know, which side's a dark side, who knows? But um, I, I love being able to to give them what I wish I got, if that makes sense. Um, I think a lot of the time pitches be, like they tend to be quite impersonal and, um, you know, it's, it's just you can clearly tell someone's hit, you know, send all and it's not tailored at all. But, um, you know, I really, really do enjoy being able to give them a unique hook, you know, give a bit of a tease of a story that they're not going to get or an exclusive and, you know, make it really stand out. Um, as long as it's not boring, I, that's that's my main thing. So I feel like I've got that in my pocket and I use it all the time. In fact, I love to, I like to say, jazz it up. Um, and, you know, if I'm going to give them a title, I like to call it the Tinder title because, you know, you need to pitch to the journalists. They've only got a few hours in the day to like actually reply and look at your story and work with you. So you need to make it stand out. So, um, yeah, I, I love I love being able to bring what I learned from journalism to my current role and really hopefully make it, you know, like I said, a full package, like not just, hey, guys, here's the data, but it's, hey, guys, here's the data. Here's a really captivating title that I think this news channel would love. Also, here's a case study who could talk about the data because they're, you know, an expert in XYZ. And then, you know, take it away and do your thing. I love putting it all together. So I said I was going to let John talk, but I'm not. I'm going to, I'm going to do. This is what it's like every single episode. So I'm really this goes in a rant. I'm really, I'm really interested. I'm really, I'm really interested in this because we we we've had guests on in the past that have talked about this topic of newsjacking. So yeah. um, there's an interesting story that's breaking, and we've got to add to it. We've got a story, or we've got an angle, or we've got a piece yeah. of data and insight that's going to add to the story, so we can we can get our brand out there and we we can talk about it. Um, you literally have the data at your fingertips. So you've got access to a really rich and unique data set. Um, a, a journalist becoming more sceptical of data, and actually that's putting you and your organisation in a much stronger sense. So um, in the news a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> there was a story about um, Prince William. Prince William being uh, the sexiest balls man in the world Are you, is this ringing any bells no um so basically it was it was a big story because this was a this was the news title a press release went out um a big data survey said that prince william was the sexiest bald man in the uk john's having a quick google to see because john's he's, he's maybe not your Looking type john. <laughs> he's not your he's not your type 
How very dare you? I'm not bald yet. I might, um, I might be receding. I might be thinning, but I am not receding. And then, oh, and then, so it got you. it got a splattering of press coverage. And then there was outrage on on Twitter amongst the sort of PR community because what actually happened is someone had just done a quick Google search and then literally put Prince William sexy and then seen how many results there were and then just thought of ten other men who were bald and 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 did that. And but that but but what I'm thinking is that secured media that secured some media coverage with that level of um, very basic research. Um, but actually, you've got the power to do all of this incredible stuff. So what I wanted to to ask in this very long winded way was, can you tell us a story that you've broken recently um, that you're actually proud of and how you sort of built that together? So so what sort of data sets would you use and how would you bring it up? And I'm really hoping you're not going to say that you were behind the Prince William was sexy story. I, um, I, no, I'm kidding. I wasn't. I No, I didn't even hear about that story, actually. But I could get you Twitter sentiment analysis on it. Yes, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Joel, um, if, you, if you if you if you do that, we'll we'll post it on the uh, we'll do a little blog about it on the on the PR Hub podcast website. Guys, I can get you whatever data you want. You just let me know, and I'll happily give it to you anytime. Uh, <laughs> thank um, you. <laughs> um, I'm actually really happy you asked this question because um, I do have something I'm really really proud about, um, and it it actually makes me really proud to be able to say that my job is so much more than just working in media. It's about being able to blend mission-driven marketing, purposeful PR, and then um, uncovering powerful stories that actually do make a difference to our community. Um, And uh, we actually just recently won an award for this story. So um, I'm going to take you through it. Um, But yeah, pretty much what happened was, I guess we all know, and it's an unfortunate truth that many people suffered in silence during lockdown. So narratives had started to appear discussing first-hand accounts from victims of violence about the dangers of being locked down in the company of their abusers. And so for a topic so personal, especially when the voices which needed to be heard, in fact, couldn't speak loudly, how could the scale of the problem be mapped? SEMrush became an important conversation because it helped drive awareness before official government figures could actually be released on the actual issue. We were able to provide an unbiased countrywide set of statistics about searches for advice and support on domestic abuse. So just to give you an example, our data showed an alarming increase in searches relating to domestic abuse since the lockdown. Um, This included spikes in searches indicating that people were reaching out for help and those people were um, first-time victims. We could see this because terms like domestic abuse hotline skyrocketed, website, website visits to domestic abuse helpline also increased like crazy and um, the questions that were asked you know um, they really did identify that it was people who didn't know if it was domestic abuse or not so that's how we did identify they were first-time victims Um, and by unearthing these insights we were actually raising awareness for the support of the victims suffering behind closed doors so we obviously connected with um, media outlets we connected with charities and um, Sky News took the story broke it and it was just such a pleasure to be able to be behind them and giving them the stats because, like I said, there was no official figures. No one had them. But we had month on month on month, you know, year on year on year data that could show, guys, there's been this percentage jump in this month when lockdown started and it's going up and up and up. And we can see exactly what sites, you know, are getting traffic, the keywords that are absolutely skyrocketing in volume. And um, 
I shared it with, yeah, because Sky News ran the story. Um, then I shared it with Victoria Derbyshire, who said she wanted to do it for Panorama. So it was it was such an, a great kind of piece to be part of because you knew it wasn't just data. It was stuff that, okay, guys, there's, there's an issue here and we need to make sure that the world is aware that, you know, people are clearly in demand of getting and seeking help. And, um, yeah, I was really, really proud for my team to be part of that. And um, we did want, win an award for um, a unique way of kind of contributing to PR and, and journalism and um, media. I think that's brilliant. That is a wonderful example. I feel sorry for our next guest who has to sort of trump <laughs> their campaign that they're most proud of after that because that is wonderful. Um, just, just I guess, all those, all those journalism skills are coming to the fore, aren't they? Just tapping into the situation that people are in and being able to to look and, and gain that insight um who's who's behind the stories then so within within the business who's looking at the the the, the news and trying to think well actually can we run a search here could we could we have a play to see whether this has a story or there's a number here um and how does how does your work sort of sit is it is it big campaign work or is it sort of you've got overarching campaigns that you have little stories that you sort of put out as as you go what's the what's the sort of typical setup for you yeah so um so much is a huge company and um there's so many different little pockets in it my team's actually the media relations team so there's a group of us and we all cover different regions um so i do a lot of the english speaking ones um i was US, UK, Australia, and I'm actually also doing France, and then a few other colleagues are covering others. When do you sleep? Well, being a previous (laughs) journalist, that means I'm an insomniac, so I don't really need much sleep. But um, no, I do. I'm I'm good. I promise I'm good. Um, Yeah, so basically we, we work with agencies in our regions and we connect with them, Um, but a lot of the time... Our team have brainstorming sessions and like I said, you know, we'll, we'll all ask stuff and each and every one of us like, no, that won't get published. No, the journalist doesn't want that. No, that's not in the news. Or we'll kind of chip in and say, hey, I saw this really interesting story. There's lots of, um, you know, outcry on Twitter because the Prince Harry voted most sexist man story wasn't actually a thing. So we kind of all collaborate and use each other's brains and creative juices to to make these stories but it is very much driven by what region we're in um monitoring what the media landscape looks like so obviously my accent gives it away but um i'm australian i do know what makes a news story in australia and i do know the the outlets and i do know what the audience in australia likes to see um you know obviously same for the uk i'm here right now i know what's going on in news um and i've got the network and the, the connections to speak to the journalists as well and then like I did say we all do connect with our agencies um who just have that extra kind of connection with journalists and um, media professionals and work we always work one-on-one so we just always have full dedication and I think to answer a bit of your question before about the trust we walk the journalists and whoever else is asking for the data through it bit by bit the data is always bespoke for them it's not some big collection it's me going to the journalist, then going to the data scientist, then coming back to the journalist and working bit by bit through it. So they're fully trusting and fully understanding of everything that we've collected and the methodology behind everything we've done. That's amazing. That's really great. Are, are you got, do you have another question now, Adam? Can I get a word in there? <laughs> do you know what I do? <laughs> I genuinely do, but I'm going to let you have a go. I'll let you have a go, John. I'm going to remember mine. I might even write it down. I'm, I'm really interested um, by... Um, 
by your journey, journalism um, into into your current role, uh, as as we've sort of uh, spoken about again about that that you've you've gone into um, uh, videography as well in the in in the past. Um, the journal to PR role is a fairly typical one. Um, even uh, you know it's, it's one that I that I took, um, and um, it's it's one that that the countless other um, PR professionals around the world. Uh, have have taken um i kind of feel and correct me if i'm wrong and i probably am um i, I kind of feel like you the role that you're in 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 inhabiting at the moment is almost like a, a conduit role rather than a, a pr role you're facilitating stories rather than um um and yes you are doing the pitching but it it, it feels like it it goes a step beyond it's more um insightful thought uh, thought-driven um, uh, uh, positioning over traditional um, uh, PR. Would you say the uh, the the type of um, uh, comms work that you're doing now at, at Semrush is is uh, the next natural evolution for the broader PR sector, or do you think it's something that 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 will always be a fairly uh, sort of niche uh, element within Marcoms? I. I honestly, that's a really interesting question. I would hope it's, in a sense, niche because then it makes us stand out from everyone else. I know none of our, you know, no one else who's in MarTech really does data for journalists. And I think that's why I was really passionate about this role because, you know, we already are killing it with SEO. But it's just nice to have another angle being like, well, we're really interested in supporting journalists and we're really interested in being part of a news cycle to help them. So, you know, why not? With a plethora of resources that Semrush has, why not offer them for free to the specific people who can make the best use from it? Um, but in saying that also, I, I think I would really like to see PR go that way because, as you were saying, the role is a little bit – it is a step further. It's it's very, like, nurturing in a sense where it it's from beginning to end and it's that supporting kind of working together collaborative approach Whereas, um, as opposed to like, oh, here we've got something that we want to kind of get our, you know, product known about. This is more about, well, we're trying to make a difference to the conversations in the news as opposed to, hey, look at us. This is what we're doing. It's, hey, what are you doing? So we can give you some stuff to help kind of facilitate that story. So it's, it's an interesting question. Yeah, I think you're always very kind. Um, I, I guess I guess a lot of people when they talk, when they think about digital PR these days as well, they do think SEO. They are thinking, I don't know, at its at its basic level, backlinks and and all that sort of stuff. It does seem like um, this uh, is a um, um, it, because it is data driven. There, there does seem to be a little bit more um, substance to it. Do you think that that that's a fair? Um, um, description of what you're offering compared to um i want to say traditional digital pr but like the, the typical digital pr offerings out there i yeah i definitely i do think that i think especially with the world drowning in so much noise like how are we meant to have our voices heard um there's so much digital content out there right now and it's very very hard to stand out and get noticed um but that is again the great thing about working at semrush um the entire functionality is based on optimizing online visibility um, so businesses can be seen and be heard. So it, it's it's just like having those insights at my hand and my fingertips whenever I need to see what how to attract different audiences or what people want people what what are people searching for? What do they want to see? Well I, I can figure it out myself. 
What I find really interesting as well uh, is is that talking um, with you um, really sort of reminds me of uh, an equation from back in the day. It sounds really daft to say this, but um, uh, it was uh, the, the question of data versus information and what's the difference. And, and the equation, I always remember it, and, you know, it was probably like 20 years ago that I saw it, but uh, information equals data plus meaning. And, and ultimately, I think that that's, that's the sort of role where, where you sort of slot into is you're providing that meaning um, to data. Not a question, more an observation. I really like that. Data, can you say it again? It yeah, again. I can. Data plus meaning in, equals information. Cool. Or rather, information equals data plus meaning. Yeah, I love it. Because if, if if all you're seeing is a button of figures, but it's just it's just numbers, right? So that without context, without meaning, they just remain that. I so, really love um, the way you said button. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he's Welsh. Is that that's oh, what well. it is? Okay, it I'm is, gonna figure yeah. it out. Okay, cool. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. He's gonna go <laughs> more Welsh now. Listen, I'm not. I, I, listen, I, I, I've stayed. I have uh, stayed away from the alcohol tonight. The last couple of interviews, I, uh, I have had a beer, and I have found myself sounding more Welsh as the interview has progressed. Not that I've got tipsy; it's just been a beer. <laughs> but I'm a bit of a lightweight these days, and the Welsh still comes through. Um, but yeah, it was just a statement, an observation, really. That 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 you know, information equals data plus meaning, and that's that's the sort of. Um, um, well, it's providing context uh, to, to the sort of hard numbers that that Semrush uh, has at its uh, at its fingertips. That you have its finger at its fingertips. That's it, really. Laura, I really want to talk to you about agency relationships. So, um, you mentioned the fact that that you and the team will have um, agencies that represent you around the world. Um, so you work with different agencies in different territories to to be your connector to to, to media where they've got good quality media. Uh, contacts and connections and you can then blend your your stories you can connect i'm gonna have to stop you there because i've got a knock on the door one second please wow this has literally <laughs> never happened before just come in well i guess lockdown laws have changed so everyone's out and about i imagine it will be amazon you know where are you based laura so you in london now I am. I'm in. I'm looking as if that'll tell me. I'm in Shoreditch. <laughs> You're in Shoreditch. It's very trendy. Yeah. Well, I can is honestly that... say this has never happened on the podcast in two and a half years, has it, Adam? This is very exciting. Uh, was it a delivery, John? Of course. We live yeah. in an age of a global pandemic. Of course, it was a late night Amazon delivery. <laughs> they are. The, they're the real superstars of the COVID pandemic. They're the real superheroes. <laughs> the delivery people, the Royal Mail and, and Parcel Force and UPS, DPD, etc., etc. Except for Yodel. Yodel, Yodel, <laughs> Yodel could go fly. And Hermes, for that matter. Right, so if I start again, if we're all ready, John. Sorry. Um, about, thank you. I wanted to talk, Laura, about agency relationships. So actually, um, you've you've through your through your career, you will have come into contact with loads of PRs, good PRs and bad PRs, and I'm sure there are lots of different agencies that you've worked with over your time. But now you're in a position where you work in-house and there are multiple global agencies that support you. What makes a good agency? agency relationship what do you look for so we interview on the pod lots of um, people that are agency side and then we interview uh, a fair number of in-house comms but we don't often talk about that experience of actually partnership and and how you work sort of hand hand in hand with one another so so what 
would you say makes a makes a good agency relationship and what do you look for in your agencies that sets them apart from those that you don't want to work with yeah i'm um i've had like such a mix of an experience and i'm so 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 lucky to love the people i work with and it does it it changes everything you you need to have that vibe with your team and you need to be on the same level um specifically with um my agencies it's all about communication i i just love the fact that um if something's happening i get a phone call straight away whatever it is it's sorted and it's just the availability of both of us on our end to be able to pick up that phone sort it out or have a chat or you know if there's this breaking news of harry being the sexiest guy with the sexiest bold guy out there like quickly being like have you seen the news let's jump on it let's get data and kind of almost um facilitating that like it's i don't know i don't know how to describe it but it's this energy where everyone's quite passionate about getting involved and you know it's it's not a drag to work together it's really really looking forward to those chats and again just just having that energy to work together and actually be excited about it um so yeah communication is definitely key just like I said, you, you just need to be able, I've got all my trust in these agencies because when we're doing something, when they're connecting with someone, they're representing the company I work for, which means, you know, brand credibility, everything is crucial. So a hundred percent trust is put into these agencies representing us, building these networks and connections. So yeah, you have to have trust um, and you have to be able to rely on them and obviously just wealth of experience. I also really enjoy having a broad team. So, um, uh, you know, gosh, I love having a broad team. So um, it's a mix of people, you know, experience from, um, you know, different backgrounds, be it cultural or be it um, also an experience in different educational backgrounds as well, like just different things to add to the table. I think that is absolute key, um, especially with the type of stuff SEMrush does. You know, it's not just data. We also want stuff about the MarTech world. We also do want stuff about thought leadership. So we need those voices and um, those diver- diverse voices from our teammates to be able to contribute to and, and be able to talk further on. Um, but, yeah, having a good agency is amazing. Um, and I'm very lucky. I love working with um, Franklin Ray in the UK and Neon Black in Australia. Um, yeah, it's just it's been a pleasure. How have those relationships changed with covid so um <clears throat> presumably you, you can't meet with them anymore were these agencies in place before the pandemic and you've just carried on working with them or or have they been appointed you know under the under the covid restrictions yeah no so um i um when i first started the role there were i worked with completely different agencies and um like i said there needs to be a vibe so um I just decided to kind of meet other agencies and definitely felt a vibe with Franklin Ray, who's the UK agency we work with now. Um, so that has been an ongoing collaboration for about two years because it was pretty much as soon as I took this role. Um, started working with them and then, yeah, results were flying instantly. There was this connection and there was just a whole new kind of level of SEMrush brand awareness that was being created. So um, I've worked with them before covid and um still working with them now obviously um and to be honest it's it's it was tough like i being a remote worker from semrush as it is i was already in the uk um based on my own so i did specifically enjoy the vibe of this agency because there was that option to come in once a week when i wanted to to either do our catch-ups or just work from their office because it was 
you know, central London. Um, so that kind of stopped and it did put like a bit of a, a downer for all of us. You know, we, we, you know, when you're together and you just vibe so much more, there's just this energy that bounces and creative juices are flowing when you're together, you know, even just a bit of workplace chatter, you know, kind of just changes the dynamic, especially from working alone in your home by yourself. So, um, I, yeah, I think we all kind of felt a bit, you know, demotivated, which is totally normal. Everyone's going through that during COVID. Um, but what we did instead to stop that, because we'd have, you know, monthly or fortnightly meetings, um, my contact in the UK and I, we had weekly calls. So just kind of, hey, what are you doing? Here's a quick update, dot, dot, dot. Um, this is what's coming up. Next week we'll be doing this. And it was just like checking in. So it wasn't such a distant set straight you know come into the office call like it was before it was more just we're picking up the phone and saying hey there's a breaking story do you want to cover it hey this is what I'm doing uh for the rest of the week so we just made it almost just like constant calls which um was quite nice because everyone was in the loop that way as for Australia um I started working with them and we had amazing plans and I'm, I was devastated we had amazing plans to do events in Australia we were going to do um I was going to work on a regional tour to try, like try and go out bush to teach, you know, different people SEO with SEMrush. And it was just going to be the coolest thing because it was just going to be crazy and unique and hitting people that had never even heard of digital marketing before, perhaps. But um, obviously COVID hit. So I still actually have not met my Australian team. But um, we've got a really great like setup where it is those calls. And again, we've got WhatsApp groups to connect us with the time difference. So if they get a speaking up, they'll be buzzing me on WhatsApp and I know if, you know, if it's a WhatsApp message, it's urgent and I'll be there for them. So, um, yeah, communication, constant communication, especially during COVID. And then um, uh, we have always uh, – we have our work chat, but then we've also got a bit of a, a gossip sesh, you know, who went on a date <laughs> or whose roommate annoyed them this time doing what. So we make sure we do balance out our chats with both work and then always a segment for gossip. I think that's I think that's really important. Um, one of the things you mentioned there, Laura, was um, I don't think gossip. Sorry, John. Um, one of those things you just you you just gently mentioned the fact that you're a remote worker anyway. How have you found that moving from big organisations where you're surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people to actually being remote? Do, do you do you like obviously you like remote work? What a stupid question. But um, how do you how do you find remote working, and and how do you feel that you've had to develop yourself to be able to to become a, a remote practitioner? Mm, look, it was really weird. I'm sure you guys can tell. I'm I vibe off other people's energy. So being alone, everyone was kind of like, "You're not going to last in this role," <laughs> um, <laughs> which fair enough. But I think what I did, um, and this is again kind of before COVID, it was so easy to do that. I would, you know, for example message you guys and say, hey, can we do an in-office meet? I'd, you know, come up, travel. I would do the in-person meetings. I'd have several people a day that I'd be meeting up with. Um, I'd have also colleagues I'd network with and they'd invite me to their WeWorks. Um, so it was kind of this really nice little environment where other people were like, cool, we'll hear about Samrush. And because Samrush and my role specifically is so wide, I could venture out to journalists. I could venture out to marketing people. I could venture out to PR people. And, you know, we'd have kind of like these little meetups and, you know, what have you got to offer? And we could kind of do a show and tell almost. And it would always be outside of the home. Um, so being a remote worker for me was never about, as it has been for all of us now, locked down in isolation. 
Although I'm kind of happy because I thought I was going a bit insane a little bit from the remote work and now I feel like everyone's experiencing it, so it's not just me. So a bit of a breather that everyone else is dealing with it too. But, um, yeah, pretty much I think what's worked for me, I'm not sure if you guys can tell, but I've got a stand-up desk Yep. because I've got <laughs> nice. so much energy. Um, sitting down, I just – I'd lose – oh, my gosh, I'd – Literally, people would watch me and they'd be like, what are you doing? I'd go from one thing to another thing and I just couldn't focus. But having a stand-up desk because my energy's being put in standing up, I focus so much better. It's honestly life-changing. You look after the uh, several uh, or, or the major Anglo-centric territories um, yeah, at SEMrush, as well as France. I'm really interested to sort of find out about the cultural differences in the work that you do in those territories, given the fact that, you know, in the UK, obviously, uh, news organisations, is um, they're, they're regulated by Ofcom. There is no such regulator in the United States. Uh, Australian news is uh, dominated by uh, News Corporation. I'm not sure what the situation is, fr- in, in, is in France, but the fact is it's not uh, Anglo-speaking and, and you know, um, will we'll by default have a very different sort of uh, uh, cultural relationship with um, the sort of services you provide and the sort of information that they're interested in, in obtaining. Can you sort of speak about those sort of cultural differences and how you sort of marry that and swap those cultural hats around? Yeah, and it's that's a great question because it is really, really different and it's kind of mind-blowing. Like I, uh, you know, as you said, uh, UK, Australia, USA, France, all... And as SEMrush does data, you could kind of apply one story and send it everywhere. But the things that different places pick up on amazes me. So, for example, I would say I've instantly noticed um, the UK and Australia like quite hard-hitting news topics. It's got to be newsworthy. It's got to be, you know, what's what's happening in the moment, um, a little bit more depth to it, whereas America like quite celebrity and entertainment related stuff and I remember one story that I've never seen go so far was in America um, about the most popular Halloween costumes for dogs because we could get the search trends for that that obviously just would never fly in the UK or Australia it just wouldn't happen Um, France is quite they love their business and they're very they're very they love everything that we've got to give them to be completely honest but one thing I have noticed Obviously, our Samurai spokespeople, um, majority of them are English and um, English speaking. And France refused to take anyone who does not speak French. So we've had to get a specific French spokesperson to do all our media there because they don't want to do any translations and they don't want anyone that's not a native French tongue. So we've definitely had to like swing and slide with specific things like that. Um, but again, in terms of the data, I think it's so dynamic uh, that luckily it does work everywhere. But you know, I think you just know who will take what when you know you get used to the data trends and, and different stories in different regions. Amazing, thank you. I'm trying not to say anything about the French. I'm fine. I'm just. <laughs> oh, you're so English, Adam. Honest to God. I mean, look at him. Honestly, <laughs> he sounds like he should have gone to Cambridge uh, University and some sort of posh grammar. He didn't. And he supports Charlton Athletic. That's all I got to say. <laughs> How are Charlton doing these days, by the way, Adam? They won six. For, they won, for listeners, they won... he's just thrown two fingers up at me. <laughs> very unprofessional. When everyone was getting very worried about the European Super League, Charlton were won, won six nil away at Plymouth Argyle. I mean, if that's not a great story, you know, Titans I, of English football. Yeah. 
I don't know if you picked up on it, but I did stalk you both on Twitter, <clears> and I did. That's I why I threw this. in your little I liked gaming you. No, and I you. Really, I, I really you. picked. I really picked up on that line, Laura. Great, Again, why would I, I ever talk just, about the just, European? Whatever it is, ESL. <laughs> Doesn't matter anymore. Sort of thing. <laughs> I said it. I did it. There we go. But no I need to let. No, I, I, I love that. I'm sure our listeners will have picked up on uh, the research that you've done in the same way that we were super impressed by the fact that you wanted to prepare for our interview, which, which, which is unheard of. Which I think is, <laughs> is, 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 is wonderful. Um, Laura, I have loved listening to you. Uh, it's, it's been really great to, to find out more about you. If our listeners want to follow you for this amazing uh, insight and the news and the stories and um, the podcast that you do and things like that, how would they? How would they find you? What's the best place to connect with you? I do have to ask, do you like listening to me because of my content that I'm giving you or because of my accent? Because Australia was voted very sexy for accents. <laughs> but no one else thinks so. I don't think so. But, you know, I think it's such a shocking accent. But anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm from South Wales. I mean, I listen to John's Welsh know. every week. It's just nice to hear something different. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, you can contact me um, anywhere you want. So I'm on LinkedIn, Laura Morelli. Um, I'm on Twitter, Laura Morelli. Um, I am on email. So if anyone wants to do story with data, please email me at l.morelli, which is M-O-R-E-L-L-I, at zemrush.com, and would love to support everyone who's doing content creation with free data insights. So do not hesitate to reach out and contact me whenever. Our thanks to Laura Morelli there for joining us on the podcast. Um, don't forget, you can always follow Adam or myself on Twitter at Adam Tuckwell and at John Wilcox underscore, or of course the podcast itself at PR Hub. You can also email us at the PR Hub podcast at gmail.com or visit us on our website that really should be updated far more frequently than it already is, uh, which is uh, www.theprhubpodcast.com. Please do like and uh, share, comment, uh, and all that sort of good stuff. Uh, subscribe uh, to the pod. Uh, it really does help us gain further visibility amongst you wonderful Marcoms folks. And until next time, we'll, we'll uh, oh, speak to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening.